Hi, and welcome to episode 19 of Subspace Communique's Life After Trek. I'm your host, Chris, or Captain Pike, chief editor of Subspace Communique. Uh, with me, as always, is Charity. Hi, hi, or crewman Becky. So tonight's episode's a special one. We have Larry Nemechek back on the show. Uh, he's on to talk about his upcoming tour with Geek Nation Tours, uh, exploring Trek sites, Hollywood to Vegas with Larry Nemechek. Uh, we got to meet Terrace, uh, who's also on the show tonight, uh, who runs Geek Nation Tours. Uh, we got to meet him in Vegas last year and got to spend some time with him. And we've reported on other uh, things that they have coming up, uh, including Vegas and this tour on Subspace Communique. Uh, we not only talk about that, but we dive pretty deep into uh, Star Trek and their first experiences in conventions, which uh, turned out to be a pretty interesting conversation. We also kind of ramble on about some other Trek stuff, but it's all good. We had a really good time. Um, so be sure and stay tuned. Here it comes. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. Tonight we actually have a, a pretty special uh, segment on Life After Trek where we're going to discuss uh, a new project by two of our friends, Larry Nemechek and Terrace Cassidy uh, from Geek Nation Tours. You guys, of course, know Larry. He's been on our show uh, three times, I think it is now, Larry. Isn't that right? That's true, Fred. It's <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Just really happy to have this close, special relationship with you and uh, Marty. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I <don't> know <laughs> oh, no, that's gold. That's absolutely I gold. Love that. And yeah. we met Terrace in uh, in Vegas, uh, and we've uh, we've discussed some of his upcoming tours on Subspace Communicate. They do a pretty awesome thing for for fans out there, and I'll let uh, Terrace explain that a little bit later. But Larry and Terrace are now working together on a new thing, a uh, new tour that's coming up before Vegas Con, and you guys are actually doing um, work at Vegas. But what you're leading up to Vegas is exploring Trek sites, Hollywood to Vegas, with Larry Nemechek. Um, and what I really wanted to ask first was, how did you guys connect? How did you uh, get this uh, get this show together? Well, I was at Vegas, and this stalker. Kept <laughs> <up>. <laughs> That's pretty much it, actually. <laughs> uh, I remember coming up to his his table and uh, asking, I forget who was sitting beside him, but asking uh, somebody who was sitting beside him, is he around yet? No, no, he's he's still on break. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. <laughs> I come back another 15 minutes. I'm a union table sitter. <laughs> no, no, I think he's on some sort of seminar. I'm like, okay, that's cool. Uh, so is he coming? <laughs> I'm sure the guy thought I was going to pull out a gun when you showed up or something. <laughs> or light you on fire or, or light myself on fire or kiss you or hug you or something. I don't know what I was going to do. So, uh, yeah, we, on, we baby, hooked up I'm in fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I am pretty big. I, it's, uh, I, the, uh, a hug from me is usually a full body hug, too. So, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you, might, you, you, you might appreciate it now, Larry, but back then you probably didn't, didn't appreciate it. Well, boy, this talk on Geek Nation tours is sure taking an interesting <laughs> turn right out of the game. <laughs> Oh, you always great. see something so, so, interesting yeah, on the Fred and Marty show. Yeah, that's right. It's, it started in Vegas. That sounds like a, like a rock cut. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. started in Vegas. Um, uh. And uh, which was the whole point was I had been working on a project about Trek. I mean, the sites have been out there. I've had this thing in my head that I'm starting to ramp up some work on um, thanks to all my archives I have and a lot of the interviews on the Trek filming sites. And when Trek came up to me and said, would you like to do this? I've been, I do this already, which was the other thing. He's had Geek Nation tours since 90, since 09. 
and he's been in the business for 20 years or something. He's had his own place for 12, 13 years and then these tours for four years and they've done other things besides Trek niche tours. So when I saw he was legit and had a, you know, uh, or, or I'm told he's legit. <laughs> <laughs> when I saw that, I went, oh, okay. And then I thought, well, what great serendipity this will be to um, just to work on this together and overlap and all that. And But also knowing that um, there would be a lot of practical considerations, like if we had, you know, a mob of people more than just, you know, a friend and I running around to Bronson Canyon and running around town, you'd have to think of in terms of a bus. But even then – um, some of the fun things we could do. So I said, yeah, sure. So we started uh, working on it. And then Terrace has uh, got the the professional side of it, the business side, and had the idea that rather than do a standalone, we should introduce it to the world, you know, piggybacking it to Vegas as an in, as a as a lead in since it's they're close, but it, that it doesn't stop at the uh, it doesn't stop at the border of the convention. It it goes on through, right? Um, Terrace, right. yeah, that's, that's right. awesome. That's yeah. fantastic. You know, it's funny too. You guys are you guys are before we get too far into it. You guys are going to a bunch of different uh, filming sites uh, before the convention, right? Yep. So you're going to start. Uh, where are you going to start? Griffith Observatory, is that correct? Yeah, that's our first site. Where we uh, actually that one was kind of a, a interesting uh, story logistically because uh, it was originally planned for a different day, and then of course once we started to do the the research we found out that Griffiths was only open certain days, so we had to juggle that one really well. So Larry said, "Well, why don't we just do it right after the welcome dinner? Because we always have this welcome dinner to greet everybody and make sure everybody knows how the tour is going to go and introduce each everybody um, to each other, which is not really um, not really necessary because everybody always just falls straight into spontaneous conversations anyway on the tours normally. We but. are talking Trek people for the most part. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Everybody has a common vocabulary, right? I think we've talked about that before is that, you know, everybody has the same loves, so the instant friendships and that kind of thing. But so anyway, we do this welcome dinner and then, and then we head off to the Griffiths Observatory to see, uh, you know, uh, uh, Larry will give you the Star Trek angle, but there's the, there's beautiful views uh, of, of LA. You can see the Hollywood sign, the, and uh, we can even uh, partake in some of the uh, uh, viewing of the stars if we if we're out there long enough. So uh, yeah, we're we're really excited about that part. So, and Larry, that's what's the uh, Star Trek angle on that one? Yeah, well, that's the out front is where um, where James Dean crashed his car off. The, oh wait, wait, wait. That's what. Uh, <laughs> <that's right. laughs> um, there's a lot of Hollywood. No, uh, the observatory, the the Griffith Park Observatory is famous on its own, but it's also where they filmed. Part of Voyager's um, Futures in when Tuvok and, and uh, Paris were with uh, Sarah Silverman's character, Rain Robinson, having the phaser battle, the future phaser battle out front with uh, the guy that was the henchman for uh, Dunbar, the guy that was the henchman for, for uh, Starling, who was the, uh, you know, the ill-gotten computer mogul. Uh, who who literally had it fall on his lap? That was the whole spine of that two-parter Voyager, where they come back to L.A. in '96. So some of the sites around L.A. around Los Angeles are Voyager sites, just as they are because they were part of that that plot, which is kind of fun. But uh, yeah, I mean, Matt, I, I mean, I live five miles from the observatory, and it was like news to me they were closed on Mondays. <laughs> so oh, we can't do it on Monday, and it's, so it's, it's, it's and they're open late. So the observatory is great by day or by night, either way, and you're down from the Hollywood sign, and 
And uh, and then on top of all that, they just had the huge renovation about 10 years ago. If you haven't been to L.A. since then, and they dug out underneath on this, it sits on perched on top of a hilltop where it's been since the 30s. Wonderful Art Deco, but they they you know modernized the structure and they scooped out underneath because they had nowhere to expand and they built basically a two-level basement underneath oh, wow. it. But it's not like a, it's not moldy ratty basement. It's a wonderful you know just in the ground area. And Leonard Nimoy actually gave a million dollars as part of that as part of the donors. And the new theater that's un, in the ground on the lower level is named for him. So he and his wife both. So um, that's neat. So Trectum is paid Bay, off. For, so, for uh, and they do a film that introduces <laughs> the story of the renovation. But it's there's tons of stuff there. So it's a it's a cool tourist place, as is a lot of these sites that we've got. There's even an Enterprise connection. I think um, I think Buckaroo Banzai was filmed near there, or at least in the tunnel going up to there. And uh, Clancy Brown was on Enterprise. So he and was so on, was Peter Weller. He was Hello. On, oh right. Yeah. Oh. Come on. Uh, old that. Totally now that's that, 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 yes. second, third degrees of separation. Yeah. <laughs> and Peter Weller's going to be in uh, Star Trek too. And Buckaroo really? Bunzai. I got to remember that. I haven't seen that for years. <laughs> oh, that's so a good, good one. Oh. Yeah. Yep. You need to go back. Well, because half of the thing, well, half of Mike and Denise's in jokes and, and Rick Sternbach's uh, early on were were Buckaroo Bunzai references on all the graphics and everything. Oh, well, that's but right. And I think you uh, go, go back to TNG. I think Mike Okuda actually worked on a new. Um, Buck Rubanzai pilot that didn't get picked up. There was a so. yeah, there was a group trying to get a demonstration. I remember when they were, it was coming. It was during Enterprise, and you'd walk up in the art department, and they'd be Larry, Larry, come look at this, and it'd be some cool little, <laughs> some little you know cool thing. After they did all the little secret stuff to because they were such huge fans of uh, West Wing, and they would do like these Bartlett reelection <laughs> stickers and stuff. <laughs> Anyway, so oops, that's I, what that was I'm not, for. I'm not saying out of turn. I don't think this is all fond memory. But then, they, yeah, they they did work uh, helping out. You know, kind of a lot of gratis stuff to try to get off the that's ground. That's pretty funny because I've seen on Mike's website the Bartlett stuff, and I just assumed that he did that for the oh, show. Good. But uh, <laughs> he he did that on his own, huh? They were total fan, and you know, and then there were some. There's one famous screen where it's either casualties or it's crew people on Voyager, where it's all the character names of the West Wing staff. <laughs> that's great that's very it's cool. listed, they, you can go to memory alpha now and see the you know they don't need kids sitting in Oklahoma with their forehead VCRs freeze framing all this stuff anymore. <laughs> yeah. screen grabs and that's everything. good I, I talking bi- biographically there but um <laughs> what we say yeah so that's the so the observatory is typical in the fact that it's got a track connection but it's also a cool you know a tourist place plus it's got it's very science nerdy so it's you know it's wonderful for the planetarium and the exhibits and and uh, and it's it's just beautiful up there anyway. So by day or night, dusk, it'll be it'll be pretty. So we we were determined not to lose it to the calendar because we're the big picture. And Terrace, let me jump in here too much. But the big picture is you land in in L.A. and we have two or three days in L.A. and then we hit the road and then we have a couple. We have an overnight trip on the road going out of L.A. and we wind up at Lone. We go through. Vasquez Rocks and up by Palmdale and Bakersfield, uh, Palmdale and Lancaster, and then on up to Lone Pine, and then we come back through Death Valley to get to Vegas. And not that Death Valley has a trek connection per se. That's the only time we might make a stop that's not actually got a direct trek connection. But um, except that uh, you know Ronald Reagan used to host Death Valley Days, and he once visited the sets after he was president. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's Actually, that's all there. true. I just totally pulled it out of my. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. But since we're driving, that's the first time we've used that. That's all yeah. awesome. <laughs> right. Since we're driving through Death Valley, um, it's 
not like you're saying, okay, look out the windows, but since it's not Trek, we won't dare stick our toes out on the sand. That's right. That's right. <laughs> we want to stop well, and let her see it. Because uh, you talk about this, Terrace, because uh, he has a big clientele being based in Canada and having a lot of right. Americans and Canadians, but also you market around the world. So one of the cool things about this is not only will you get to go on this concentrated tour – You'll have some idiot that knows what he's talking about, talking to you about it, <laughs> to help plan it. But also you'll be with all this great crowd of people, some who may have been there before, some who haven't, but they sure haven't all been in a group. And you may be seeing you know, people from all around the world. So it's, cool. it's going to be you know, just doubly, triply exciting. And, you, and Terrace, tell them about how you can even take care of the deadbeat wives and husbands that don't care about this. <laughs> Sure. Actually, well, that's that's uh, funny. That funny, huh? <laughs> funny you should mention that because we uh, got a booking today from a guy in the UK. So, uh, yeah, we we uh, we uh, definitely uh, cater to anybody internationally. We we go to, all our tours are always international based. We've got clients from Japan, from Malaysia, from from Germany, Brazil, all around, you know Australia, everywhere around the world. So. So and we, what's great about it is, like we were talking briefly before, everybody's got the common vocabulary, common love, and and all these people are very, very savvy about what they love too. They know what what what's going on, and, and they just you fall into these friendships instantly. And it's, it's actually for me that's the most joyous thing about having this business is to see that whole type of instant instant friendship that happens on these tours because that doesn't always happen on a on a regular tour like if you're going to i don't know the uk to see castles or something everybody might be interested in castles but they don't really have that same joy that they bring to to these type of tours so so yeah for sure we do we we always have some really really great people on our tour and everybody leaves with a whole bunch of email addresses and 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 uh, uh calls for visits abroad so that's really cool and uh, yeah, we do also do, uh, it's a birth trial to my wife. Uh, we do this uh, parallel universes thing, which is uh, basically if you have a non-geek spouse and, and they say, well, what's in it for me? Because, you know, obviously it's a, usually it's a, a two-sided uh, coin. You got to make sure that one people, one side is happy while the other one is happy too. So, so if, so if, uh, if he or she is not into it and doesn't want to even be around you while you're geeking out, well, then <laughs> I can take care of that too. So. So uh, Wait, exactly and, uh, what do you mean by that, Terrace? Well, sometimes that is the case. You know, they're like, "Oh my God!" What are you going to take that? care of there? Oh, wait, I guess. <laughs> oh, like I a see. leading proposition. <laughs> I was saying I was a big guy before, so <laughs> anyway, we're, sorry, sorry, that was a, not, not called for. It. Oh, that's good. Anyway, let's put Chris, on I business, want you to know uh, that we've done several of these podcasts, and they've never taken off in some of these directions. <laughs> I just don't know what's going on. I bring that out in people. I'm going to have to review our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking anyway. of speaking of a big guy, um, you guys, uh, one of the coolest things I've seen out of the tour, and something I would love to do, is you guys going to Vasquez Rocks uh, with Bobby Clark, the Gorn. Yeah, that's yeah. so cool. That is pretty cool. That is the coolest thing ever. So I'm guessing Bobby's going to be there on hand to kind of talk about Arena, um, the episode with the Gorn Captain and Kirk's uh, epic battle. Um, so is, do you think uh, you can somehow fashion a cannon out of bamboo and diamonds while he's there? <laughs> of course. I'm gonna, I, my, plan is, yeah. my plan is to fashion it, actually, and then hand it over to Larry to light it. Uh, well, I'm, see, I, I'm bringing the sulfur. So, okay, uh, <laughs> perfect. 
Is he going to ride along with you guys in the, um, I assume, bus or something? Well, he here's the thing. He actually lives out there nearby. No oh, kidding. Wow. No kidding. Yeah, he has a little photo stand, and he sells pictures to the tourists every no day. No kidding. And... That is no, cool. No, I'm kidding. Oh, I'm totally... God, you totally had <laughs> me. Oh, my gosh. That's just sad. I can't believe I got Yeah. Um... <laughs> wow. Oh, that's good. I didn't know Which they had that amazing. many people going out there. <laughs> it's amazing to me that no one's, well, maybe somebody's thought of it before, but I didn't think about it until I had, I did an interview with him uh I think year before last, and I put it up the anniver- the 45th anniversary of filming out there, not the air date of Arena, but when they filmed, I <laughs> I, I researched and uh, yeah. used that as the news peg to put it up on, at Trekland, my blog, treklandblog.com, <laughs> and um, go there. And, uh, yes, go there. Anyway, it was great, and and uh, I to- when I called him back and told him it was up and and everything, he was he was you know all all sky high and everything. And it dawned on me we were doing this tour by then, and I thought, you know, what would it take to get you there? And he goes, oh, I live by there. I live just right down the road. And I thought, oh, come over and see us, and, you know, people, would you mind talking? He's like, no, no, no. So, I mean, he'll have some pictures there to sell and all that, but also if people want to take pictures with him. I mean, he'll be at the Vegas convention, and right. you know, and he's, he goes to the big conventions, and you can see him and talk. He's a f- great guy. And well, not just about Star Trek. I mean, he was in the industry for ages, and he, like, doubled and stunt performed and performed in so many things. You know, beyond Star Trek, but he's just you know he's always be he's just always got the Gorn in your resume. That's kind of a nice thing to have. But how many? And you can and you the Vasquez Rocks are pretty iconic. People could come to L.A. on their own and go out there. You know, it's pretty easy to get to. It's hard to miss it if you're if you know two minutes about Star Trek, you know that. But how many people get to go on a tour and have meet Bobby there? Not at a convention, but on the ground, and have him walk around and talk about. Yeah, you know, yeah, shit. that's pretty so darn cool. That's really cool. That's going to be a real special moment, and he's all excited about it too because he's never done that before. So it'll be a first for him. That's very cool. Totally. On top of Vasquez Rock, you guys are hitting tons of other locations. One that another one that, and I could just talk. At well, not length. literally on top of Vasquez. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk yeah, at length about all there. these all these filming locations <laughs> that you guys have been and... to. Uh, but the Tillman <laughs> Water Plant in Japanese Garden, that's Starfleet Academy. Yeah, that was. I was actually really surprised because um, I'm a, I'm a Trekkie. I know I've watched every episode and uh, of all the seasons. And, yeah, and I know exactly. And then Larry comes up to me and says, "This is where we want to go." And I'm like, "Really? Are you serious?" And uh, so I'm kind of hedging it, and I'm like, "Okay, well, if 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 he says so, great. You know, he's he's the expert." And then he sent me a picture. And I'm like, "Oh my god, that's Starfleet! <laughs> that is so awesome!" So yeah, it's, that's the one thing about the tour is that uh, I'm really excited about it too. And and when I see the pictures, uh, I'm like, "Wow, I gotta make sure I bring my get up so I can get." pictures in front of yeah. that place <laughs> that would be really cool yeah. actually you know it's funny too because only in la would there be a water treatment plant a sewage water treatment plant that's futuristic looking and has a japanese garden it's the only place i was just thinking about that before you said this because it hasn't come up before but i was gonna there was a time kitties in this country <laughs> in the 50s and 60s post-war when people saw government as a thing that served people and not as that crappy <laughs> thing that's ripping off my tax money and wasting it <laughs> And even to the extreme radical notion that, gee, some of our public buildings, even for as mundane a function as, as uh, you know, sewage treatment and water treatment, uh, might be kind of unique and colorful. Mm. To the fact, to the point, even that this is in the Sepulveda Basin in the valley, in the San Fernando Valley, and um, and there's a big parklander. It's it's kind of flat, and but it's very treed and plain. It's where it flood. You know, they have the Sepulveda Dam and. 
and where the car race from from uh, American Graffiti was. Oh, that's cool. Uh, and, I didn't know. You know, that. and um, but yeah, they, and, and the thing is, right there by that, the maze. The, the the other thing besides it being Starfleet headquarters and a couple other shooting sites for Trek, is it's also the hedges and maze maze of hedges go over to a Japanese tea garden, a Japanese garden. And it's also the place where in Justice, the first the really interesting first season next gen show where Wesley's and the punishment all the half naked people. Oh my people gosh, I was wondering around. if that was the same place. It's the same place. It's actually Rubicon Three where the Edo live. So why they're not <laughs> the Rubiconians, so cool. I don't know. But anyway, uh that and there's one other episode that escapes me. We're filmed there. And so you're there too. So if you want to strip down and play, you know, <laughs> for your you know, if just it's don't too fall hot into the hedges. Starfleet uniform, then just go the other direction and wear your bed sheet, you know, from the hotel. <laughs> and a blonde Only wig. It's you know, if it's diagonaled one way it's a toga, if it's diagonaled the other way, then you're you're an Edo. And um and go, you know, and pretend like you're you're bashing, you know, Wesley into a punishment zone or something. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a little syringe. Oh, justice! But uh, but it's a beautiful spot, and the the idea of the the point is though that at one point they this guy that it's named for uh, was one of their old time guys that thought it'd be nice to have a sewage plant that was actually like park light, and it would just show that it could be done. So the architecture and the layout and the land use, and you've got that building there, and then you've got these hedges, and a it's a wonderful little garden, and there's lots of botanical plantings there, and you can take a little. You know, maze around. You know, seeing that building too, I always thought. You know, seeing it in track, I always thought that it looked like it had a monorail uh, going into it, and I think that's probably what they were going for. I don't know. That's what I always assumed. Well, now you know, just so everybody's clear, it's a one-story building. The, there's a matte painting that's added to it. Right. You know, Dan Curry and all those guys, you know, added added to it. It showed the different angles, but it became like. What's funny is, and and we're we've got some fudge factor sites, so. Terrace, let me get out of line here. But what's funny is the building that JJ used for Starfleet Academy in the subprime universe <laughs> uh, <laughs> is is right down the street, kind of sorta, over at Northridge University of California Northridge, or Cal State Northridge, um, and their their library, the Oviat Library. So if we can, we may even like do a quick drive by there, photo op, and you've got you know two 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 Starfleet Academies for in one. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, that's that's one thing about being on the tour is that uh, uh, we've got the bus at that time, so I'm sure we're going to have lots of fudge factor type of uh, places where we can stop and 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 uh, see things and and add them to the des- the tour at destination. So, you know, I mean, you have to uh, stick to a timeline. Everybody wants to be, you know, fed at a certain time or or be able to go out to a club or something like that at night, but. And and that's one thing for sure we should mention is that we have you know we have lots of stuff that's really planned for you, but there are a lot of free time. You 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 do have time to go and and kind of see your own thing also, and and I think that's really important to for everybody in a group to kind of get their own time away if they if they really need that. So, but uh, uh, I think the point is is that we do have uh, a lot of. Uh, lot of space to to add here this this thing or that thing in for sure oh that's cool yeah and you know i what well, from what one i hear wild card is la traffic which is something right you always have to yeah with. And, and from what i hear i think la is kind of a happening place so people might want to see <laughs> a couple yeah. things that may be maybe not on the list but uh so the show or the the, well, yeah, the tour weekend sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> so the tour runs the 4th through the 13th and that leads up to uh 
creation Star Trek uh, convention in Las Vegas, which we'll all be at, of course. Um, yeah. So you guys are actually running these two tours together, or is it going to be two separate tours that people can can sign up for? It, or how does that work? No, what what we're doing is uh, uh, the tour uh, that Larry's on is the same is is a Star Trek tour at the same time. Like we we have, we'll be running all the way through anyway. Gotcha. Uh, if we get people uh, going uh, right now, there there's been a lot of interest. So uh, if if there's and we and we actually I actually sp- say okay, well you're interested in this one, but look at this one because I think this is so much more. It's so such a has more depth than our just our regular kind of uh, uh, quick in and out uh, of Vegas uh, uh, Star Trek tour, but um, this is uh, we we're going to be operating them in tandem. Um, but uh, I think this one is going to be a, a much more uh, encompassing one. Yeah, and it seems but, like an, a fantastic idea. You guys pulling this together, a wealth of Trek knowledge, of course, having Larry. Uh, with you, but going to all these places. I mean, what Trek fan wouldn't want to go and visit these different filming locations? So, exactly. And, well, and, and, and the hard thing was, you know, we, I, like I said, I started off with a pretty comprehensive list of just about everything. And what I love to do is even the obscure things, but there's, there's limitations to that. Like, we're going to go over here to the, to the, uh, Gillibrand Quarry, where they would go kill Jim Hadars and Cardassian stunt guys in those neoprene suits, <laughs> because it would always be 109 degrees when they would shoot DS9 shows like that. Oh, but it's kind of, you know, the pile has moved around, and do 30 people in August really want to go look at a pile of rock? Right. You know, right, right. and can we even get a bus? I mean, there's some practical limitations. Or here's this one house that was used in the Survivors on TNG for the Dowd people. Where Riker was jerked up by his foot, you know the the rigging, the, you know he went up in the air. Do we really want to take a bus? So part of this is a combination of, and, and we had these conversations. Do we want to go to Vasquez? Do we want to go to the Santa Monica Pier? Do we want to go to Tillman? That are places where people can go on their own if they have an LA vacation. And we came back to, well, a let's do it. Uh, for, for one thing, we've got plenty of more obscure places too, such as the Q Continuum. Remember in Death Wish on Voyager when they finally went to the went to oh, quote yeah. unquote the continuum and it was personified as a metaphor that abandoned kind of out in the middle of nowhere gas station diner, you know, yeah, with definitely. the pinball machine and all these, you know, bizarre metaphorical labels on everything. Uh, we're going to go out by there, and uh, the, we kept the com- the obvious places in because number one, as I said, you're going with a big group of Trek fans, not on your own, and number two. Uh, how many times do you have like such excellent tour guide leading? Exactly. <laughs> and, and friends with you. And again, like at Vasquez, you will have Bobby there. We, you know, we may spring some other surprises at the other places. And and overlaid on all this is it is a place where both if you've been to L.A. a few times, it'll still be unique and new to you. Even if you've been to the pier at Santa Monica or if you've been to the you know, observatory. And if you haven't been, you're seeing a lot of just iconic L.A. places. Forget Star Trek. Well, don't forget Star Trek, but you know what I mean. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. So hopefully we're satisfying so much of this that whatever you're coming to the table with wanting or what will be, uh, you know, what will be a, a real hoot for you is you, you know, you'll get that. So, yeah, we kept in some of those because mm-hmm. there'll still be things that you – even if you and your best bud went out to a couple places on your own, you wouldn't have the same experience as you do. You know the total package that's coming. Yeah, and just Bobby to Clark doesn't something. show up everywhere. So what? Bobby Clark doesn't show up everywhere. No. no. <laughs> so <laughs> what's that Gorn yeah. doing over there? <laughs> Bronson Canyon. 
But uh, the other thing was you were, you were talking about the overlapping tours. There's really – I mean Terrace helped me out here. There's really not an overlap. It's that the, the yeah. LA to Vegas tour, you, when you sign on, your hotel at Vegas is – the Rio or whatever is included. Yeah, that's right. so you, it doesn't stop the minute you get off the bus in Vegas, and it goes through to the point where, of course, you want to go to the convention, and you get your own ticket there, your own you know whatever level pass you want. But – Terrace and and I to a lesser extent there because I'll be going nine ways to Sunday with things, but he's around all the time to take people to do something at night if you don't have something already planned if you're not caught up in something else, which is again I think a great deal for people from other countries if you oh, don't yeah. speak English as well if you're still a little skittish about getting around the states or if you just you know if you're from Des Moines and you're skittish about getting around Vegas and you've never been there and I yeah. say Des Moines you're from you know Norman Oklahoma <laughs> <you've never been laughs> I'm not putting anybody down Austin, but Texas. the point is to get take people over to the strip or get just get out of the hotel if you want to get out of the hotel for some yeah. you know, for some reason or sit around the ho- one of the uh, nearby places and and ge- get the group together you know whatever the flow yeah. of the group is is kind of what or and correct me if I'm wrong Terrace if you just want to come and do the little short – if you just want to come in for the convention and leave and be part of a group, that's what that is. And they really kind yeah, of overlap, right. right? That's right. That's exactly it. This The big tour encompasses – I guess that's what I was trying to get at is that big tour encompasses Vegas also. So once you pay for the, the beginning, the L.A. part, it ends after the convention the the uh, your whole the whole stay is you're with us all the way through and 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 like Larry was saying that we're always doing something every night we're doing something and and again you're 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 welcome to join us as a group or you're welcome to do something on your own and I can help with whatever you want to do on your own or you can go and be free and then come and visit us the next time and I think that that's really especially convention time I think that that's really one of the one of the great things about being at one of these things together is that everybody again talks and 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 visits about what they did that that day and so you get this buzz about okay this is what I did and this is who I met and this is who I talked to and they're awesome to talk to and and then did you see this guy's table did you go by the so and so booth did yeah you, exactly yeah, oh, don't miss this don't miss Larry's table well, that's make sure, make sure make sure you go there at least every fifteen minutes. <laughs> they'll, they'll be sick anyway. of the commercial after four days. For- <laughs> that's right. And uh, so so uh, the the point is though is that you get to 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 get that vibe that your next you get okay. Well, he did that. That sounds like a great idea. Or she says I should go down to to this thing. Oh, that's an awesome idea. So you really kind of have this camaraderie and this ability to get more and more hints of how to really. Uh, enjoy your stay there. So it's not only me directing it, but you've got you know thirty other people helping you to 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 enjoy your stay, and and then Larry on top of all that. So it's a really it's going to be a really special thing. I think a beauty for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. And you guys can learn more about it at GeekNationTours.com. Um, Larry, do you have anything on TreklandBlog.com that points? Oh to yeah. This as well? well, there's an entry a few days back. But if you look at the last, uh, I mean, I did an entry a few days a couple weeks ago about it. Kind of my perspective of of uh what's going on That's i think cool. I, I think it's just called look who's leading a tour to hollywood trek sites or something me or something like that <laughs> i think uh, one of the coolest parts of it is you guys are going to stop by bill shatner's house for lunch 
I thought that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, we, we, it's really cool because we have the all we we walk through his backyard and we knock on his sliding patio door, <laughs> and you get him right when he's you know, like passed out on the sofa. Oh wait, wait, I'm. And then, I'm, and then, and then I'm you doing get to experience the, life imitating art here. And then you get I, to experience uh, the LA County Jail. And you get to help him find his shoe. I think that's what <laughs> right, you're going for. Help him find his shoe, and then we take him to termites. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, we're just getting so inside ball here for yeah. this. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. That, that is the best uh, Star Trek movie, though. By the way, it is Galaxy Quest. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's, uh, that's good stuff. So yeah, check out geeknationtours.com, uh, treklandblog.com uh, for more information about this. Uh, and we're, we, you know, if we weren't already heading to Vegas and we've got our own thing brewing, we're going to probably drive out there this time uh, for our other side project we've got going, which is byebyerobot.com. Let me just throw that out there. <laughs> uh, we would uh, totally be interested. The Borgified like Elroy. This. I love it. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Is Borg Elroy. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. But yeah, be sure and check out those sites if you want to learn more about this awesome tour with Larry and Geek Nation Tours. So definitely do that. I think what we want to do now is kind of transition into some Star Trek stuff. So. Is that Astro? No, no, that was I was me trying to make a car swerving at a 90 degree. Oh, okay. oh, I thought it was a dog also. <laughs> I'm glad I wasn't alone there. Ruh-roh. Well, that would be <laughs> That's funny. Well, actually, no, I say Star Trek, but what I really want to ask you guys first, and I'll probably start with Terrace because I know Larry will probably have a pretty in-depth answer to this. Um, but we were talking. Well, I was going to say long-winded. I didn't mean it like that. Uh, sure. I did. <laughs> but uh, since we're talking about Vegas Con, um, sure. maybe you guys Vegas can Con! share. Exactly. Yes. Maybe you guys can share your, your first experiences in going to a convention. Um, Terrace, did you do that before? You started Geek Nation tours, or is that something that just kind of happened with your first convention tour? No, I, the, I've been going to conventions for quite a while. I think my first big convention or big-ish convention was uh, um, Origins in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, that's that was the, one of the first ones I went to. But um, the, uh, last year was my first Star Trek in Vegas tour. Gotcha. And I, you know what? I, I have to say that our experience was incredible. I, I Vegas is fun, but uh, I always the about the the last day I'm ready to go home. I'm like the second to last day. I'm like, okay, get me out of this town. Yeah. You know? But we didn't. I I didn't have that at all at at at, uh, the, uh, at Vegas last year. It was so unbelievably nice. Like. I was amazed at the feel. The, every convention has a, a different vibe, and, and I go to a lot of them now. So, you know, I've got some miniature wargaming ones that have really a kind of a competitive vibe, and, and uh, everybody's still, you know, very friendly and everything, but there's this layer of co- uh, competitiveness around it. And uh, some of them are very media-oriented, like uh, San Diego Comic-Con or PAX, like it's very hustle-bustle and flashy. But I really, uh, the Star Trek, uh, convention was very much down to earth and uh, I really really liked that and everybody kind of had this really positive attitude and welcoming like everybody really welcomed everybody I think that that's I think that's, I think that's what start what's great about that Trek community is that everybody's welcome and, and that doesn't really happen in in, in real life that very vision you know you know it's funny Larry I really didn't expect that to be 
so uh, apparent, but it, it totally is. And, 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 uh, so we were, we loved it. And, and, uh, and so that was our, my first Star Trek convention, uh, um, uh, big Star Trek convention. I've been to a couple small ones prior, but, but, uh, that, that, what, what, was, what was the year you, you said your first convention of any kind was origins and, and yeah, origins what year was that? Columbus, Ohio. I think that was, um, well, I did my actually. You know what? My first convention, my very first convention, was a Star Trek convention. It was in Edmonton, and and, uh, and the whole crew was there. Uh, but I don't really remember that much about it. I think my brother brought brought it to me because he wanted to go, but he under the pretext that he was actually bringing me. But I think I was too young to really get much out of it. Um, uh, I remember seeing everybody there. So, so but what, so what year was that? Oh, you know, I don't know. Maybe I was ten. So like thirty-two years ago, no, it couldn't have been that. One. When was okay, the first? Okay, so so you're not a poser. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. Well, I mean, uh, I, I don't have the vast knowledge of some people for sure, but uh, no. <laughs> I, I, I am no, I'm not. Kidding, I'm kidding. I'm very much a geek, yeah, as a matter of fact. I think uh, my geekdom extends uh, uh, broader than most. Maybe not in. Uh, in Deep as most, but broader than most, for sure. No, did you mention that you've? He's done tours. He's taken fans of like military gaming and military history. They've they've gone to Civil War battle sites oh, as well cool. as the castles and. That's awesome. And you can, oh, I was going to tell you, Terrace. These days, if you talk about you're doing a tour for castle fans, <laughs> you need to oh, make sure totally that you think Nathan Fillion's going to be on somewhere along the way. <laughs> that's so, yeah. <laughs> that's funny I've never made that reference before that's they're going to show up at some giant castle and be expecting Nathan Fillion to pop out of a turret or something one form of, of, of geekdom do, does translate into other one I just hope that no one gets them mixed up and comes yeah. on my tour so that's, that's, <laughs> well, survive Paleyfest castle night Friday night uh, <laughs> It was, was like gonna... mini Comic Con since Nathan Fillion's. It wasn't quite like a normal Paley Fest TV night. The vibe was pretty electric. So. You know, it's funny. We've actually got uh, got something to admit here. I guess we're posers because our first uh, convention ever. The actual, like our first actual convention. Very first yes. convention was uh, Star Trek and. But we're not posers. We were always just Trek fans. So yeah. That's yeah. first true. one. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Vegas. No, no, no wait, finish your sentence. The first one was when. Oh, what? sorry. That was the Vegas convention that in, two in years 2010. Ago, Vegas, yeah. Yeah, that was our very that first. That was your con- first convention? Yep. Yeah. Of any kind? Any kind. Totally. Conven- oh, really? Wow. That's, that's it. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we we made up for that. Uh, I'll have the, insulted, sir. The, <laughs> the last uh, two years, we've gone to like, geez, a lot. 15, a probably. Bunch. Staying up 72 hours in a row is one small down payment on that. Okay. Yeah, lack that. Very good. <laughs> yeah, I think I've made up for that, though, by running a Star Trek website and uh, doing a, a blog i've put in my my uh my dues i guess you could say um uh, but now so the the first convention you went to though larry was uh, in in oklahoma right yeah and i guess it's a two-step thing the first convention i ever went to was that there was a group of de- in the in the well a ways back there and there was a group of dealers called the oklahoma alliance of fandom but it was really a dealers group and they would like pool their money and and do small like you know they'd have the first thing i went to and we called them oaf it was oaf and oaf cons and i didn't know but they would advertise on afternoon star trek and 
there was one where um, like Spanky McFarlane and somebody else that had been a voice for some Golden Age animation. It was really kind of you know Midwest Southwest. Here's some comics and here's some animation and old time TV radio people kind let, of a thing. Let but me it stop was, you right there. Yeah. Spanky McFarlane. That is the raddest name I've ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. <laughs> do, you, do I need? Oh, I should. Maybe I should back. It was uh, our gang. It was. Um, oh, it was Rasp- Spanky. Like the actual, yeah. it was the Spanky. Actual Spanky. Wow. wow yeah, no that's cool. I forget his real name, but I mean, I'm saying Spanky in quotes. Okay. Okay. I, his first name has really escaped me because I just, yeah. But uh, What's his last name McFarlane, though? Yeah. Yeah. On well, the show perfect. or for real? <laughs> no, for real. Okay. Wow. Spanky so, McFarlane. That is real. Uh, yeah. But it was like a, it was like a cartoonist and an illustrator. And a, but anyway, it was that group of. You know, not Hollywood people, people we can get on a dime. I mean, not on a dime, but I mean, it was sure. not a high-end, hardcore, whatever. And it's very relaxed. And it was, it's, it was a couple of decades ago, and you know, it was the market, what the market would bear. And you, would, but it would be nostalgia stuff, and there'd be a big overlap into westerns, and there'd be a big overlap into comics and collectibles, and 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 you know, old-time animation and early-day TV and nostalgia stuff. And I remember I got my mom to take me up and I looked around and it was like okay and but of course they had a film room and they were showing you know Trek episodes on film and um, that's the one where I got her to go she was going to drop me off and then when she came with me came back to get me I said I want you to see this and they were showing I was like in the old days it's like here what episode do you show the mundanes in your life to get them into Star Trek and I always said the best one to do is show tomorrow's yesterday because it's all about the Air Mm. Force pilot Yeah. so it's like here's a point of view that somebody in you know that has no science fiction background might actually kind of figure out but the first overnight con i went to was i was a college freshman and went to ocon the second ocon um in tulsa which was a really hotbed of fandom and um used to have a huge the, the world's biggest doctor who convention used to be in tulsa panopticon west I had for no a long idea. time but they had a great station that would show the star treks uncut and uh, it was just a real big, way tougher, bigger fandom than Oklahoma City did. And um, that was my first go and stay overnight. And the first thing I did, I was so clueless that I walked in and I thought, I brought my box of Star Trek background books, like my concordance and medical reference and, and tech manual. Because I thought, that's what you did at a convention. You went in, you sat around, you talked about Star Trek background, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I found out, no, that's not what you did. But... I mean, I was so overwhelmed. The first thing I did is I went in. I went actually went in the film room and watched a movie, and it was Silent Running. It's the first time I ever saw Silent Running. Oh, no and I just I remember that. And then later on, I I got some of my props out in my home built McCoy medical kit, and was showing it off. And people were coming ooh and and Russell Bates came by and was ooing and awing about it. I yeah, but uh, that was my first overnight con. That's awesome. And Silent Running's a fantastic film. Bruce Dern, who doesn't love? But that? I was so out of it. I mean, it's funny how you project things. I mean, I feel like I've ta- I've worn this story out, but I was it, the, when I first started encountering mainstream national fandom and like getting Interstat, which was a letter of comment zine, and I was looking in there and it was three fourths, and I'm not being genderist here, but it was three fourths women talking about characters and plots, and not that I was a, totally a tech head, I didn't care about you know the eighth degree millimeter of a ship spec. But I mean, I could, but that wasn't it. It was like, well, let's let's do back. What about the aliens and cultures and races and da 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 sure. and the history and the timeline and all that stuff? And because that's what I I was trying to fill the gaps in. And we were all about gap fandom and filling stuff in in the '70s because there'd never been any more Star Trek. And we've got all these annoying gaps they left us and blah blah blah. And 
And I found out that's not what most people wanted to talk about. And it wasn't until years later I realized that I was I was obviously mentally defective because I didn't have a set of the Blish novels, you know. Because why would I buy those? That's just the scripts in book form, and I know what this I know what the shows are. Yeah, you definitely. Know, so. Yeah, and it's you, funny how you 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 come in with a little, you know, not virginal attitude, but you come in with your raw, untouched attitude, and you see what other people are. You go, oh, oh, okay, okay, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have a running tally of how many conventions you've been to? No. Yeah. It would probably be in the probably close to thousands, right? I would guess. No, 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 not thousands because you know when you're a fan it's like what can you go and afford to go to and then I I don't know. Lots. Uh, Let's just say lots. Now there are it's kind of like actors who know how many lines are in their part, you know. Mm, right. There are people I know who keep tally of how many conventions they've been to. But Maybe I should sit down and do that sometime. But um, and how has it changed over the years? How is specifically Star Trek conventions? How how have they changed over the years uh, from your well, perspective? See, number one, I wish I could have gone to one of the old, the original New York cons in the seventies. You know, I was right. way too little and too far away and too and or broke or all of the above. You know, which is great that we have Joan Winston's book. Which, if anybody's never seen that, you should try to find. It's out of print, but it's in paperback and hardback. The making of the Trek conventions, or how to throw a party for forty thousand of your closest friends. <laughs> it's about the first five, the first, the original Star Trek conventions that were. Because you know we've had sci-fi conventions since the '30s sure. and, and first fandom, but the original Trek only conventions, which then wrote the book about quote unquote media fandom. But. Um, Larry, yeah. what, what year was the was the first first one? Do you know? It's either 73 or 72. Yeah. I want to say January 73 or January 72, something in that era. So, uh, so you know, the ultimate fantasy in Houston in 82 that's in my documentary is only – it's only nine or ten years worth of history gone along since then. But the thing that strikes me about the, the cons, one of the things is that – you know, fandom started off. The whole point of fandom at the beginning, aside from people who were so damn passionate in love with this show, they couldn't. You know, like you are when you're first infatuated with anything. You know, you want to eat it, sleep it, breathe it, morning, noon, and night, whatever. But the first real point was to bring it back in something as a TV mm -hmm. show or a movie or whatever. And so you finally had that happen in '79 with the motion picture. And uh, those days, and, and, and you're also like you're. You're the martyr, right? It's like the Firefly fans were with their show, and it's like anybody on sure. all these shows where they're trying to save their show now, and um, you know which Star Trek wrote the book on. But uh, in those days, it was you against the world, and you against the big guy, and you against Paramount, you know, or whatever, and corporate, big, you know, in this studio, and the fans versus the student, all those kind of monolithic, you know, easy, you know, oversimplified things, but. Um, you were also trying to show that there was value and worth. But the point is, the the studio barely did any licensed products. You know, the, the first poster I ever saw was when I became a big McCoy and Scotty fan because the first poster only had Kirk and Spock and the Enterprise on it. I mean, mm. in little stills stitched together, and and there was very little product out there. And fans made their own. They did their own costumes. They did their own props. They did their you know zine writing and zine magazines and all that stuff. And and occasionally you'd stumble across really cool obscure things, you know, like uh, the film clip collectors back then, pre, you know, pre videotape even, you know, pre anything. I mean, it was a big deal to stick a mic on your TV and tape off episodes and just have cassette tapes of episodes, just mm. so you, you had it. So part of it is get back to your question, the way that the 
the dealers' rooms aren't quite so wild west. If that if that makes any sense. No, now the totally licensing sense. police are out, and now it is a big business. And for a while, that was people saw that as stifling. But then at the same time, you used to could get ripped off by the guy selling the tricorder kit for three hundred dollars. Right. You know, a pro, a, prof, or a, a a prop kit that worked. Well, you'd have the flyer, you'd send your money in, and then you'd never hear from the guy right. for two years. And now the stuff that's you know, the high end props, even the the playmate stuff. After a while, the pla- the fine plastic versions of of props are amazing. You know, I mean that's that's kind of the side that people used to love to gripe about. Oh, the studios. You know, taking all the fun out of conventions, and they're policing the dealers and reporting the dealers and selling unlicensed product. But so much of the stuff now is, you know, the price point is where they can manufacture. Right. And that's not to say that there aren't, you know, goobers that come out. But that's that's one thing I think. And um, I don't know because there's always been people that are in it for a buck, and there've always been the fans who unfortunately get in with, with their eyes are a little too starry. You know, and they don't think about it as as we do want to come out with our shirts at the end, and <laughs> you know that kind of sure. the people that would lose their mortgage because they'd get carried away, and or they have a huge loan. So, as sophisticated as we get, some of those those kind of things still happen. And the biggest thing is to me, you know, whenever I see somebody, I, I, when, I've been talking too long, so you've got me rambling. No, it's I'll good. Say this, no, it's totally uh, good. I was. I remember in graduate school hearing a professor talk about. He went to see a production of in, in theater, and he went to see a production of somebody did Romeo and Juliet or some. I think it was that. And here he's he's catching himself. He's sitting there analyzing what the scene designers done, what the blocking, what the stage, what the interpretation, what the lighting, you know, and just all the organic things of the thing. And he's sitting there analyzing it for the millionth time. And all of a sudden, he's kind of broken out of his reverie because there's somebody and their and their teenage, you know tween-age daughter, preteen daughter sitting next to him, and he hears her kind of gasp out, oh my God, she's going to kill herself. And he said, and instantly he was snapped out of his hyper, you know, analytic state and said, oh my God, how, how, what a joy and a gift to be able to see something like yeah. Romeo and Juliet for the first time again. Mm. Yeah. You know? And so the conventions, I was watching this on one of the boards the other day, it's, me personally, anytime I can still go back and have a fanboy moment and be a little puddle is like a little joy and not be cynical and jaded and blah, blah, blah. It's kind of like I try to like treasure those anymore. Sure. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Totally. Yeah. And so that's like watching Leonard's farewell thing last year. Oh, wow. Yeah, totally. That was was amazing, actually. Theory that Shatner saw that, heard about it and went, okay, well, I'll, I'll see your farewell life story in slides and narration and raise you a one-man touring show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you guys can talk about that when you stop by his house. So. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, if we can get him off the sofa and come to the back. Leonard, Leonard Nimoy will be with us when we stop by the house. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so we can all talk. <laughs> have a Easter egg page that Terrace has promised is on the site. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, okay, I've rambled on too much. No, that's good. No, I mean, that's what all. people like to hear about. Oh, yeah. And, and us not having gone to so many conventions over the year. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, it's you know, it's something, it's news to us. It's it's actually something we like to talk about, too, because we didn't get to experience that. And and something that I wish I could have done, to, actually two things I wish I could have done. I wish I could have met DeForest Kelly, and I wish yeah. I could have been at a convention that was solely uh, the original series. Before Next Gen came out, when it was just the original cast, I wish I could have gone to something like that. So, yeah. well, of course, there were. I mean, 
the thing that was interesting about the Ultimate Fantasy in Houston was it was the, only the second or third time they tried to get everybody together, and that only happened very rarely. Though, the the it was after you know Next Gen and Voyager and DS9 were all going, but the last time the whole cast was on stage together was it was the one time Paramount the studio tried to do its own licensed its own convention and not have it farmed out to other people. Although Creation wound up handling a lot of the most of the talent part of it, but they they. They uh, for the 30th anniversary in '96, they had this convention, and they it's kind of like, well, here's a corporate think tank sitting down to uh, do it. They had it in Huntsville, Alabama. Oh wow! At Space Camp, okay. And, you know, and Marshall Space Flight's there. You know, Werner von Braun's place, and there's the Rocket Museum and all that's there. But it's like, you know, how hard it, how many planes some people had to take to get from New York or L.A. to get to Huntsville? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> you know, and they kind of overwhelmed the the hotel rooms and all this and. The 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 thing of the weekend was one weekend on Earth. We were like, really? That's your that's your. <laughs> <laughs> we called it by the acronym OWO. <laughs> <laughs> but that was also the, the public debut of the original Star Trek dot com, which was kind of mm. cool. I was working with. Them. Oh, neat. But but uh, that was the, I have a slide of all of them on stage together. Of course, doing nowhere standing next to Shatner. But, right. And that was kind of cool because that picture was the last time they were all on stage together because Dee died three years later and there was nothing big in between where they were all together again. Wow. So, wow, yeah. you know, they and and there'd be conventions where they'd all manage to be there but one. And are you counting Grace Lee and with, you know, the group? And is, is Majel there also? And, you know, so – and even Gene wasn't – well, Gene was dead by then, but – there are conventions where you know Gene wasn't with them, so right. those were even. So when you say you miss seeing a, you know, the cast again, most of the time they'd be like one or two or three of them, you know, because you are talking about fan promoters and they were having to shell the bucks out, and you know there weren't a lot of vehicles back then to do that on. So yeah, so did Gene actually go to many of the original conventions? Was he at most of them? Well, not not like paternally ongoing. I mean, Gene's thing in the seventies was he did college speaking to mm, stay alive. While sure. He was trying to sell those pilots, and and all the actors in the seventies when this got going, it was you could go back and read what they're saying, and they'll still talk about it now. Is it was insane because there'd never been anything like this. Right. At least if I Love Lucy was, you know, those filmed half-hour sitcoms, if they were a big deal and shown everywhere, at least Lucille Ball was still alive and went on with her shows after that. I mean, the the idea that this was this hottest show in syndication and, and millions of kids are growing up, you know, high school and college age and, and young adults are running around worshipping this show and these actors are all still living out of their cars and jeans on the right. verge of bankruptcy, you know, because – they didn't have the you know all their contracts were all for one one network show prime and you know one original air and one rerun right wow yeah and all that was gravy and so that was part of the big deal about gene coming back and doing the motion picture it's like okay now we're going to set this up for life and all those actors you know it was kind of like here's my chance to get back this 10 years that i lost because i was worshiped but i was stereotyped and I made, and I made no money. So Gene is going around on the college tour for several years, which I never got to see him do. I remember trying to write when I was in college, and you know, having, you know, see about getting a speakers bureau to do him. But, but he was those. He was at several of them. I think most of the original New York ones, at least two or three. And you know, you to be. But imagine then you're in a hallway, and it's a it's a high rise urban New York hotel. Um, and you're in a hallway, or you get on an elevator, and here's Isaac Asimov and Gene, you know, with wow. the drink oh in their hand, wow. it up with fans. I mean, <laughs> That's you know, you... crazy. That is so. super cool. 
Yeah, that's that's one thing I wish I could have done was seen the original cast together. And and I've seen, you know, Shatner, I've seen Nimoy, I've seen Nichelle Nichols, Grace Lee Whitney, George Takei. By the way, George Takei smells fantastic. I ran past him <laughs> in the hallway in Vegas, and he smells like a million bucks. <laughs> um, but we've seen a lot of the original cast. But honestly, though, for me, and, you know, I don't know where I'm really going with this, but I really wish I could have met DeForest Kelly. I read his uh, biography uh, that was released mm-hmm. a few years back, and he just seemed like the most down-to-earth guy. Oh, let me, let me plug that because Terry Rio is a friend of my, Rio is a friend of mine, and D was the only one who didn't write his own book. And mm. it, that that '96 convention, there's a really one of my favorite pictures is me and him together, and I'm just doing an interview with him, and I'm so glad I have that. Uh, but I was making a pitch at the end. I said, D, you need to do your book. Let me help you write it. I'm there in you know Burbank. I'm just down from you. And he's like, I remember him saying, oh, all that stuff. I just have to go out in the garage and get all that stuff out of boxes. Mm. But he had um, he had kind of stuff in mind. He had Carolyn and um, and Terry got to go through those boxes and do the book after with the family's blessing. And it's an excellent, excellent book. And, yeah, it is. And uh, yeah, but I I had the same feeling though about D was I the first three or four times I was supposed to see him at a convention. Uh, something always happened. I was either sick or he had to cancel or the convention was canceled, and I just knew. Because you know, through those years, he was looking like he was thinner and thinner and sure. thinner, yeah. and I was like, "He's going to die before I see him alive." But yeah. thankfully, I. What's that line in Airplane? At least oh, I got to see DeForest Kelly alive. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You know, actually, we've talked about um, in our two-part panel that we did with Larry and uh, Dayton Ward, Jared Formby, uh, oh, Damon Shaw. That was fantastic. That was so much fun. We got to talk about uh, you know our first initiation into the world of, of Trekdom. But Terrace, I'd actually like to ask you, what was your first exposure uh, to Star Trek? Oh, you know, I've, I've been watching Star My family, uh, you know, I, I think sometimes I overanalyze it, but my family is a, is a uh, kind of a frontier family. Our, uh, my grandfather came to my town in 1901, and, and it was like there was a fort there. Oh, wow. So... So I know it's going a little bit overanalyzing, but we're really into that that feel of go to you know where no man has gone before type of thing that that uh, venture out. So Star Trek was actually a really big big thing in our family, and, and which is very strange because our family is very much a sports family. I'm the only I'm the black sheep. I'm the geek of the family, but but our family is very much sports oriented. And, and but Star Trek was always a part of our family. I used to come to come home from school and watch it at four o'clock right after Happy Days or something like that. You know, so I I I don't even remember not a life without Star, Star Trek. To tell you the truth, I've always been. We've always watched it. Always been a fan. And when uh, in university, when uh, the new generation came out, I remember uh, you know being really excited about watching it, watching it in the TV downstairs. But my parents were watching it upstairs at the same time. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah, so it's it's a it's a got a uh, Star Trek's got a special place in our hearts. And actually, one of my favorite Star Trek fa- uh, family stories is uh, I remember going over to my uncle my uncle's place, and he had who's like one of the first people that had a. a a VHS, like I'm old, by the way. So a <laughs> we VHS that player, <laughs> you know, and uh, tell us and, about Uncle Terrace. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Not quite as old as you, Larry, but still. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck do you mean? Sir? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so so um, 
you know, uh, uh, Spock died, and and Captain Kirk was was saying, you know, he's the no, no spoilers, human. no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's good. And I remember. That's uh, <laughs> right. That's right. <laughs> I remember watching my family uh, at that time, like uh, right after the movement, and everyone had tears in their in their eyes, like yeah. everyone, the whole family, and and that that's uh, uh, was a big Star Trek moment for like the whole family again. So yeah, uh, Star Trek. I don't remember a time without Star Trek, to tell you the truth. That's kind of how it was for me too, actually. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and you know, being. Uh, being of the the second generation of Star Trek fans, or maybe even the third, really, because I I didn't get involved with it until syndication in the early '80s, which was you know basically ten years after the first wave of uh, of fandom. Uh, but it's it's interesting to think about it. I mean, I'm sure there's a whole series of fans out there that you know started with the original series first run, and then they see, right. and now we get to see that same kind of thing with uh, with J.J. Abrams' film, because that actually brought in a lot of new fans uh, into yeah. the Trek universe, so, yeah. I think I think one of the other things that I found really interesting is that uh, none of us in my family um, kind of uh, have any hang-ups about one version to the next, like, none of us say, oh, God, I can't watch, I can't believe you're watching Voyager, or I can't believe you're watching DS9, or, or you know, JJ's movie is not, it doesn't have the same feel as the old Star Trek does, or something like that. We, none of us are like that. We're all like, wow, that was awesome. Oh, that's cool. You know, so so there's no division. Like, uh, I, I think that that was interesting when uh, when I went to Vegas uh, uh, convention that that there were people that were segmented like that, oh, and, yeah. and that's you know everybody's that's that's cool. I don't have any issues with that because because everybody gets to like what they like. That's cool. Oh, you but... Canadians are just so nice. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I was I was surprised yeah, actually to see hear that. <laughs> that's right. That's not very nice. Yeah, that's true. That's actually that's funny too, because I bet Larry, you you probably experienced that with uh, the Next Generation, right? I mean, people uh, when TNG launched in '87, I'm sure there was a slew of uh, TOS fans or just Star Trek fans uh, that. See, uh, this is always this is in the G. There's always a even before you had the internet to kind of amplify it. <laughs> yeah. There's always <laughs> been this 10, 15% and you know, God bless them. God love them. I don't, I'm not knocking anybody, but it's like every, cause everybody, part of everybody, you, you can't have a passionate fan base without people taking things to heart. I mean, that's kind of by definition. So, um, when I, I remember even before the movies or early in the, you know, in the seventies, uh, I, I remember reading about reading in the seventies, <laughs> um, <laughs> oops. Uh, you know, when I was a kid, some of the first books I learned to read. Um, but there, there was a whole group of fandom of the of the uh, female fandom that was, you know. And here's a sidebar note that early, fandom, the whole thing about the boys in the basement thing with the Cheetos on their fingers. That's it's almost like I've just about dated that to the Shatner sketch on Saturday mm. Night Live and the Get a Life thing. That's interesting because the first ten years of fandom was overwhelmingly women because of the whole sexual allure. Of Spock and Vulcans and all that, and that you had the guys and the tech heads and the sci-fi guys branching over, but the movers and shakers of fandom and zines and the well committee and the conventions and and all that were women, and so you'd see um, you there was this faction of fandom. I remember reading in 
seeing their debates and letters for this whole thing about well, we don't accept the third season. Of course, we're talking about you know before Next Generation, there were mm. three seasons. You right. talk about the, because they just bastardized Spock. You know, when Gene left and it was Fred Freiberger running the show, and they just ba- that's not Spock in Enterprise in- Incident with the Romulan commander, and you know that we saw what Vulcans do with. Sarek and Amanda, and that's not what would happen. And you know, and, and the way he talked to Droxine, that's just that's character rape. <laughs> that's that was horribly written, and we don't accept the third season. That's you interesting. know, it's like dead to us. So then you 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 come forward, and you had the marketing campaign to protest Spock's dying when it leaked out that he was going to die in Rathacon, and people that funded a marketing survey, and you know, forty two percent of established Star Trek fans say they will boycott the movie and any merchandise that's you know attached to it, and. And there were national stories, and they were like, "Oh God!" And then, of course, it blew kind of blew through that and made them look a little silly. But historically, it was just it was like, "Here's these fans." So yeah, then you come to TNG, and you have this whole se- and here I am, Mister Background Fan, feeling like, "Oh, this is cool." Eighty years past, and that it's Gene. Number one, it's Gene doing it, and somewhere out of the woodwork again, I got blindsided because I. I keep forgetting that not all fans think the way I do or that I don't think the way other – not all fans, but there's segments of fandom. And even before we had an interstate uh, – inter- internet to tell us that, here's this loud bunch coming up and going, well, how can you call this Star Trek? It's, it's, Star Trek is Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, and if it's not Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, it's not Star Trek, and I refuse to watch it. Mm. And there was all this like outcry, and my reaction was – what the hell are you? Who are you? <laughs> shut, then don't watch, but don't, don't, you know, for the rest of us. It's been twenty years, and we finally. It, Gene is running it, and they're giving him carte blanche. It's not on, you know, all the old horror stories you've read for. Ooh, the censors and ooh, the ratings. And they're on syndication, and he's going to have half-naked people on this dumb show that we'll go see in the hedges at Tillman Water Plant someday. <laughs> it's like. Sh- Sit down and shut up. And, yeah. you know, a lot of the early shows were dreadful, but that you were so – it was like waiting for the first movie and getting through the motion picture. And I know there are a lot of people that don't like bashing on the motion picture, and there's people that love to do it. Totally mixed bag. It's same thing with the first seed of Next Gen, but it's growing pains in a lot yeah. of way. And it's like you had to get through the – it's almost like both of those are how you had to get through the politics of the thing to get on with it kind of a deal. And mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, hang, you were hanging in every week by week of Next Gen, and, and then at the end of the year, it got better and better there toward the end, and then they had the writer's strike get in the way, and then then they rebounded. But that group of people that stood up and started screaming, you know, I, I, it was just like, shut up, yeah, well, <laughs> go and, away and shut up. And it's yeah, like they were any, I mean, yeah, it's like any new iteration of Star Trek is going to run into that. If they end up doing a new series, it's going to be the same way. What if it all boils um, down to fear of change? It could be. That's a good point. There's some of that, and part of it is there's so many gaps that people make it up in their head, and sometimes they're not even aware of what they've made up in their head. Mm. It's like when the motion picture came out. I mean, everybody loved it and embraced it, but there were a lot of people going, huh? You know, like the new Enterprise is, oh, well, the uniforms and the – because you had so ingrained those 80 shows, 79 shows, that there was a little bit of a hump to get over. And then, of course, then they changed a lot of stuff once again, the uniforms again for Wrath of Khan, and most people kind of – preferred them but um there were so many you know and and the thing of having um having savic and she's you know they totally took out the fact on canon film that she was half romulan so people mm. are going what is she crying and what is this you know it's we love kirstie alley because she's so vulcan but sometimes she's not vulcan at all and and you know it made you some of the old 
some of the things are really obscure that some of the background guys, fans, you know, kind of we had to go, eh? okay, what? Okay. But every new iteration makes you do that. So it's funny. I actually didn't know that uh, the background was that she was half Romulan. That's interesting. That's that's uh, that's news to me, and I got to say, oh, I, I love. No, I know it was filmed that way and written that way. They took it out of the movie, but if you read the novelization, it's it's uh, Helgard. Is that the planet she was supposed to be from? It's it was written in, and they had dialogue filmed and huh. scripted huh. and filmed. And I'm then surprised it went they out. didn't end up in the director's, in the director's cut. cut yeah. yeah. Well, they've never really done. That's one thing Nick Myers mad about is they've never really done a total uh, a director's cut for Rathacon. Oh, you know what I was thinking of director's cut for the motion picture. Yeah, you're motion right. picture. Yeah. yeah. You're right. Which was mainly about the effects the way they were supposed to have been done, and yeah. still still has a long third act. But yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. I, you know, I like that movie. I love the uniforms. It's one of my it favorite things really about cool, the movie. Yeah. Are yeah. the uniforms? Now it sounds really terrible, but I just thought it was such a cool departure from the from uh, the original series. Um, I know the actors didn't care for them so much, but uh, you know there was one. There was a one piece. Was it really? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think well, that's they had really... multiple kinds. They had two pieces. They had the like the admiral T-shirt over the pants. Mm. But yeah, they had the jumpsuits and they had the one, a lot of the one piece and the boots that the shoes built into the. That was wacky. They all had to bring their shoes from home and they they put them into the fabric of the one pieces. And... Huh. That's interesting. You, should, you can read. There's I forget who it was. Nichelle or Grace Lee or somebody talking about how they mixed up the shoes at one time and anyway. But uh, yeah, the shoes are built into the. If it's a pantsuit or a or a jumpsuit, uh, they had the shoes built in, so they weren't like a boot and then a pant leg. Yeah, I actually, I, I was, think uh, that I think was when they were, that was when Gene had carte blanche and he was running. You know, he was in his whole. Uh, you know, we we shoe, uh, clothing is kind of just totally perfunctory, and if we could, we just spray it on us and then take it off at the end of the day. Kind of. So that's so. why the next gen outfits were so tight in the first <laughs> season. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, they tried. To, I mean, you know, the whole no pockets, no anything. That was they were try, going for that with uh, with the motion picture. It's just once again the the real life world of well, we're doing a movie in 1979 or 1986 or whatever, you know, kind of gets in the way, and we have a specific budget. Yeah, and then they switched the the outfits, like you were saying, in the Wrath of Khan, and I that was when Gene wasn't involved um, in the motion picture. Uh, well, making. that was also they had actors who were getting into their fifties mm. and uh, trying to find some. It's kind of like it's kind of like when you're. Um, I, I've never been in this position, but I know it's. I came to it from being a chorus kid. But same thing with bridesmaids. You have to find a design that looks good on everybody. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know Gene had an issue with that because it looked too military militaristic. Um, yeah, well, it was the 80s and, and that whole, adm- you know, I saw some, re- well, Shatner the other night in, the, in his show said something about, uh, they used to say Admiral, he was doing it as a punchline, but no one ever said Admiral on the bridge or Captain on the bridge until Wrath of Khan. Mm. That, was a, that was a, you know, kind of a military, they never said the original series, and those are some of the little touches you'd kind of notice, and people seem to be more, more uh, well, the rank was more, you know, brass and and uh, you know epaulets and instead of having the simple braid lines and that was it and it was very understated you had oh we got rank on the cuffs and rank up here on our collar and rank in our underwear and rank in our <laughs> heels of our boots and it's rank 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 everywhere and you know gleaming brass and, and yeah that was all kind of a more militaristic looking thing that at times you'd kind of go kind of feeling but yeah i would actually wear that jacket from the rathacon that You've is been wanting fantastic that jacket for, like ever yep the giant oh, colored, oh man, 
I would be <laughs> all over that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I so, would do. Yeah. <laughs> and I saw a couple people actually having those uh, at Vegas, which was uh, pretty interesting. And they were really well done. I took pictures. They probably thought I was a freak, but I was like snapping pictures of the jacket like crazy. Yeah, because he wants to give one to those pictures to my friend who sews a lot yeah. uh, to, <laughs> to so. make him a jacket. Yes. Well, Chris, you just kind of did a time thing on me because, I mean, that, there was a time when that's all you saw people wearing. Mm. and then No kidding. Well, they were around from 82 to 92. Right. And the next-gen things were so skin-tight tight, and the jackets were, you know, until they went to the two-piece in the third season. So that was like 90. So for at least eight or ten years. And then once you spent that money or you had somebody invest their time and energy in it, you didn't toss it away. Totally. And and if it worked for the actors, it also worked for the fans as far as fitting all body types. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, so, probably not many people aging wore that. And fandom uh, at that. So yeah. if you didn't think about it in 82, you might be more appreciative in 92. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So yeah, it, the, oh, the idea that, uh, but it's been, now that you say that, it has been something to watch the last few years, um, watch the Maroons kind of phase out and watch who's, and now when I see somebody wearing them, I kind of like notice it and they go, oh, have you had that since 1985 or, you know. Right. Yeah. And I'm sure at some point it started to transition over to the TNG uh, and DS9 Voyager um, outfits. Those are those are a little bit more um, complimentary. Let's just put it that way. You know, the first uh, season of TNG. I wonder how many of those skin tight outfits you saw rocking around uh, a convention. Because you know, those things were like. I mean, they were painted on. Well, the, um, yeah, the spandex. Well, it gave yeah. them. A, that's why they got rid of them. Finally, it, gave, it was giving everybody a, a neck and a backache. Yeah, and you know, honestly, I remember watching really? TNG oh, for the first time and and saying yeah. those costumes are horrible. <laughs> You know, I love TNG. Don't get me wrong, but I got my issues with it. I hate I hate Packlids. First of all, um, Why do you hate the Packlids drive me insane. And the forks, those those metal forks with the needles on the end that they used to, to eat. If it worked for inertial dampeners, yeah, everyone would have injuries. The the sporks or whatever, isn't it spork? Yeah, it kind of looks like a it looks like a looks like a spork. But I think they had two different ones. They had that one, and then they had the other one that was literally like a a brush handle with needles sticking out of it. Was needles? Yes. I I do remember these now. It's like yeah. Anyway, I think I've digressed enough. Yeah. I'm just still kind of sad that you. What you don't think the packlets could functionally exist as a culture because they're just, if they're that stupid, how do they? Oh no, I think they could. <laughs> he just doesn't like them. I just don't. I have a thing against packlets. <laughs> but you're okay with Tellarites, right? Yeah, yeah, Tellarites okay. are perfectly okay. fine. We're, we're still... <laughs> I personally know a Tellarite, from what I understand. Oh, <laughs> Larry played a Tellarite in Phase Two. Oh, very. Or good. no, actually, it was New Voyages. It wasn't Phase Two, right? Well, it's. It, it's the same, but yeah, it was a it was a vignette that was resurrected from the that John Corrigan was able to get the effects done, and then they surprised James Colley with. But yeah, I was I was thrilled because it was a professional makeup job, and it was a wonderful. That's that's an example of a little fanboy moment being able to have, you know. So I have like tons of pictures and video of putting it all on and taking it off, taking the face off and putting it on. And I saw the face in a box, like Senor Wences. <laughs> so I can go, uh, so I can go talk to Grolst if I'm really feeling lonely. That's great. So who did the make the makeup for that? Who was it that uh, built the appliances? Uh, the, the makeup designer, because that was the Walter show uh, to serve all my days, the 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 Chekhov show, like their second or third one. Mm. 
and a guy named Kevin Haney, who had Haney, who had worked with Michael, one of many artists over the years who had been on the crew for for Trek, as well as doing tons of other you know credits, and uh, his assistant. And then there was a kid from New York who actually applied mine, who was knew exactly what he was doing. Um, is in college right out, and he came up from New York City, and he was great. Um, oh my God, I've gone blank on his name. Um, Spanky McFarlane. Oh, Spanky McFarlane. <laughs> it's on my blog. What'd you say? I said Spanky McFarlane. <laughs> yeah, did you ever see the, the episode where Spanky McFarlane uh, played the Packlin? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. When I said this this uh, episode was going to be loose. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't mean disjointed. <laughs> No, it's been fantastic. And, you know, people out there, be sure to go and check out uh, geeknationtours.com, uh, Larry Nimichek's website, larrynimichek.com, and treklandblog.com. We also want to talk about uh, Connor Rath, and, and uh, you're actually making some headway on that. You've been kind of bouncing around all over the country. No, actually, we're regressing. Uh, I'm coming up with <laughs> reels of film Lost. It's really sad. Oh, um, no kidding. No, no, I'm kidding. Okay. No, I mean, I've talked about this before. I've talked about it other places. But uh, no, we're, we we got Carrie O'Quinn, who was the publisher of Starlog, for all those years that inspired so many people. That was the Bible before you know the internet, and uh, and even after. Um, and he was the MC of the Ultimate Fantasy Show in in Houston. Which, if anybody's new to this, go go look up the con of con of com, which is on my site. And uh, it's just an amazing moment in history that in Trek history and pop culture history and. Has a lot of of um, of a human moment to it. I I, okay, I keep saying I want this to rise above just something I'd show on the convention circuit. And uh, I had a fundraising drive where we doubled the thank you swag about a month ago, and had had a few few uh, a lot of donors come in then, and we'll probably do that later on. But uh, if you if if this is all new to the sound of my voice and hearing about this, please please go take a look at that because I'm looking for both people's. Memories. If you were a survivor of that infamous weekend in Houston, just about two weeks after the Rathacon, the movie itself opened, or um, if you'd like to get in and be a fan donor and have a screen credit and have some some you know help preserve this moment, if a thousand people give twenty dollars a piece, we'll have our shooting budget just fine. So yep. you can check out Life After Trek episode twelve, where we actually go into pretty good detail about Connor Rath. That was a special we did for Larry, uh, talking specifically about the upcoming documentary. So uh, be sure and check that out. Um, actually, Terrace, if you want to, go ahead and give us a little bit more about Geek Nation Tours, uh, some maybe maybe some of the other tours you guys have coming up. Sure. Uh, we do, uh, like, like we were talking about before, we do all things geeky. So uh, uh, we uh, are just working on our uh, Lego tour, actually, to go to Brickland in Chicago. So we're, we're doing that one. We're, we're uh, headed to um, Gen Con in August. So really happy about those guys. Those What a great crew Gen Con is. Uh, we're doing uh, our miniatures in the miniatures in england tour in september so that's really cool we've got several other ones planned uh, that i can't really talk about yet but if you visit our site we can uh, they'll be up uh, hopefully by the end of april but we also do historical stuff like our gettysburg tour uh, we're gonna do that in 2013 uh, the 150th anniversary of that battle so oh, we do cool. that kind of stuff too yeah it's that you know that's gonna be a really special tour uh, uh we go to the battlefield a lot like we uh, at, uh, we go during the day and we have a guide and then we also go back at night and to see the battlefield at mm. twilight and 
And we go, f- we do uh, three battlefields actually: Manassas, Antietam, and and Gettysburg itself. So, so that's a really cool one actually. So, uh, so, and we're always adding new ones, uh, always coming up with new ideas, new new tours, and and we do about uh, twelve a year now, or 10, ten to twelve a year. So there's always something new, and we repeat uh, the odd one. Everyone, some some of them are repeated every uh, two years, uh, some every year, but uh, yeah, we've got lots of Comic Con ones and and. Lots of other cool stuff. So, you know, by all means, come visit us. And if you have any suggestions, then uh, uh, we'd love to hear from them too. Yeah, like the castle tour with Nathan Fillion. The castle tour, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. It actually happens in, in the UK. Yep. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And Larry, you've got a couple conventions coming up, WonderCon yeah. in Anaheim. Hopefully we can get this out uh, before WonderCon uh, coming up the, this weekend. And then you have a couple Well, if not, I'll just make up some fake stories and you can you can run them in here now or something. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, WonderCon there. And then I, it's weird how this has happened, but I've I've managed to get up to, to Emerald City uh, Comic Con in Seattle for the last – this will be the third year in a row. And they've been great about having let me come in and, and do a couple of – a panel or two. And I'll have a table up there. I won't be tabling in WonderCon, but um, – Hopefully we'll get get my bunch together. I have a seven o'clock Saturday night panel, my Trekland panel there, and then at Seattle we're going to do a kind of a a talk panel. We'll talk about the state of the franchise and where Trek, whither Star Trek, and where it's going. And I like to take hand, you know, show of hand polls and see where everybody is in the room, and then share things and kind of bend people's brains and let them wrap their heads around maybe some concepts and maybe let them tell me something and wrap my head around a few things and hear back from people that's that's a lot of fun too so and then um there's two conventions in lake charles louisiana Cyphercon, and then later on BayouCon three and they're both having me back it's like i have a secret little <laughs> fan base there or something the guys enjoy, enjoy having me come in my homies are in SoonerCon in oklahoma city that's in june and uh of course vegas in august and um comic-con san diego in july and i'll have a table a couple of days in, in there and then vegas is vegas and uh, although i'm gonna be heading into town on a bus this year it'll be kind of a spectacle um, <laughs> with nacelles a bus with nacelles <laughs> and then working on some a couple other things for later in the year that's not nailed down yet but uh, i you know again anyone within the sound of my voice here I, I don't get back east very often i got to go to florida for the first time last year and Hopefully, if things fall right, may get to do that again this year. And uh, but anyway, just up in the Northeast is where I kind of miss going and trying to get. You were mentioning New York, maybe getting back up that way, or the Upper Midwest, or something. So yeah, Shoreleave would actually be a really cool. I was just cool thinking Shoreleave would be cool. Yeah, yeah. we've we've been yeah. thinking about heading up there. I know uh, some friends of ours, Miles and Scott from the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. You've been on there show a few mm-hmm. times they usually go to shore leave and, and yeah. uh, from what i understand it's going to be a pretty big uh, i don't know why i'm talking shore about leave shore is leave, great but. because that's the token designated <laughs> shelter for all the new york star trek mafia to come down and and reside for the weekend so all the authors in the new york area are there and it's very novel heavy they have that's actors cool. come in too but it's it's pretty heavy that way and it's 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 and it's an old style fan run con of the highest order with you know 20 30 years behind it and when you, it's one of the few that are still con- that are that huge that are all Star Trek or, or you know, overwhelming Star Trek. And Starland in Denver is another one that right. they've had to broaden out, but it's still huge, but also very fanishly, you know, fanish feeling. But Terrace, I want, there was one thing I want to say before we, or two things. Number one, Jimmy Soltis was the makeup designer on my Tellarite makeup, so I wanted to make sure and get that in. 
Uh, and that was no win scenario. If you're if you're surfing and you're googling and looking for what the hell we're talking about, no win scenario. It's only ten minutes long. And I have to say a shout out also to Divine White's Intro to Hollywood, which is go. still up Definitely. and attracting fans, which has nothing to do with Star Trek or sci-fi. But it was a very funny British mockumentary that I was privileged to have a, a guest star role in the last episode with my friend Allison conceived and directed that. But the other thing that, Terrace, we have to say is, and I always never think of this, I always never, I never think of this till the end, is <laughs> one of the five-star aspects of this, that the way Terrace does business, is he's not cramming like if we sold 1,000 tickets, we'd have 19 buses in a row. And it's either wire, bad wireless in the 97th bus, much less the 47th bus, <laughs> or I'm hopping back and forth. He and I are hopping back and forth on buses. This is limited to one bus. So the bottom line is it's a max of 35 seats. So you can make a deposit and talk to Terrace about all that You know, if you don't have the cash right now and you're still saving. But get in on this because it's only going to be 35 seats, and when they're gone, they're gone. So. And of course, uh, it's the tickets at uh, Creation Entertainment go f quickly too. So right. yeah. if you want to, if you want to have the right access to, you know, uh, the event, you, you have to hop on that too. But yeah, we always seem to forget that, and that's kind of important, isn't it? So yeah, we, we definitely. Chris, you can uh, just edit this have and have the like two thirty seconds into the show. Just have to say, <laughs> 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 quick, they're going like Hank. No, <laughs> that's right. It's a shame you well, couldn't find the uh, forty-seven seat bus. That would have been yeah, epic. definitely. That's, that's right. Forty-two shouldn't it be forty-two. Then that would be the answer to everything. That's Life right. Yeah. and everything. Well. <laughs> Terrace, I'll have to explain to you about 47. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It's a Trek thing. It's a yeah. Oh, really? I missed a Trek reference? How terrible. No, no, no. Well, nope. it's, a very, it's one of those obscure insider, you know, uh, gods of fandom type things. That, uh, okay. Well, then you I have to look at now. Yeah. The GNDN. You got to look for that, too. Yeah, GNDN yeah. goes nowhere, does nothing. That's right. <laughs> well, now I feel like now I feel like you should tell us, Larry, what uh, forty-seven means for everybody that's listening to this podcast who doesn't know. Charity, if I've told you once, hold <laughs> the <them> forty-seven. Forty-seven. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have the forty. The forty-seven thing phenomenon was a. Um, was a uh, oh my gosh it was Occidental College now I hope Joe Minoski brought the 47s to Star Trek supposedly this was a local little college thing where a professor half is the joke half whatever with a statistics or analysis class and went out and told his um, told his uh, uh, students to go go out and find out what the most random what the most common random number they could find was like signs in the universe or whatever and but it really was 47 which is kind of funny and and yes uh douglas adams had 42 in in hitchhiker's guide which you know if nothing else rick berman will always go down in history with the line well 47 is 42 adjusted for inflation <laughs> <laughs> but the trick was that joe minoski who who went there um i'm sorry it's pomona college i had to look it up i can't i, I don't want to spread misinformation forget occidental it's Pomona College. <laughs> Joe Minoski went there. He brought the 47 phenomenon to Next Generation. And when he would freelance write, and then later on when he was staff writing on Next Gen and then Voyager later, you start seeing Starbase 47. And the planet is ringed by 47 defensive pods. Or, you know, it's Stardate 
four seven or anyway people go through the shows now and see forty seven and seventy four or you know something 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 forty seven and uh, in in computer screens or whatever and uh, and it's a next generation onward thing although I thought it was funny I went back once to see what episode forty seven the original series was and it's obsession <laughs> <laughs> that is very funny <laughs> which I think is pretty funny so that's the forty seven thing that's and then the nice. funny thing is everybody else picked it up so Brandon and Ron and and all the right you know and the DS nine guys would they when Voyager and DS nine came along and then Enterprise and it's a fact that not only did this get well known enough in the inner circle that you know there's no direct connection between the old guard and the new guard of JJ's bad robot guys. But Bob and Alex have several forty sevens and the graphic the art department have a few forty sevens in the in the O nine movie. Yeah I was gonna say yeah they actually did include that. Um <laughs> And you can when tell Kirk how- drives, when uh, when alternate Kirk rides his bike up and parks it and throws the keys to a guy, there's a big like Riverside Shipyard Sector 47 yep. sign, right? That's yep. pretty awesome. I remember That's seeing cool. that and going, "Okay, so this is a Star Trek movie." <laughs> See, <laughs> now awesome. they knew. See, <laughs> they the secret pledge and knew the handshake. Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> well, it was it was fantastic having you guys on, Larry, having you on again, and Terrace having you on for the first time. Uh, and everybody out there, like I said before, go to geeknationtours.com, larrynimichek.com, and treklandblog.com to learn more about all of the stuff that's going on with these guys and uh, the upcoming uh, tour in August. So, But like I said, it's a pleasure having you guys on. Oh, Thank Chris, you. It's thank been you great. So yeah, definitely. Oh, you know what? The one thing that I did want to say that I did want to mention is that I will be in Calgary at the Calgary uh, Comic Expo and uh, and uh, I have a booth there so if you guys want to come by and visit if there's anybody in the area I would be I'd be happy to see you very cool I'd love to be up there they're going to have they're one of the cons that's having the it's almost all or all the original next gen cast here in the 25th year so yeah they're having oh, that's everybody. right well, that's, actually yeah. we did we reported on that I think they're going to have the entire cast so yeah they sure are awesome. yeah that's a cool one yeah. to go see Yep, we're really yep. excited about yep. it. And it's your peeps there, so I wish I, I really wish I could be up there with you. Um, yeah, have a good, have a good uh, weekend with that. Yep. Thank you. Yep. So again, thanks for, ha- thanks for, almost said thanks for having us on. <laughs> wow. No, no, no. It's been a long the Terrace and Larry show. That's <laughs> what was it the Spin and Marty show that you said? Fred and Marty. Fred and Marty show. <laughs> That's right. Well, now, Fred, if you would just go by the nickname Spin, we could really. Have <laughs> And that was before I was born. I want that in the record. <laughs> I know about that's that really, show because of reruns. That's my, big, my older brother. That's good. That's totally good. All right, so I think we'll wrap it up here. Thank you guys so Stick much. Stick around for though, because we'll we'll talk to you guys after we stop yep, recording. Or definitely. So that was episode 19 of Subspace Communiques Life After Trek. Uh, we had a really good time talking to uh, Terrace Cassidy and Larry Nemechek about their upcoming tour and other things in Trekdom. If you want to read more about the upcoming tour, you can check it out at geeknationtours.com. Uh, you can also look at Larry's website, which is treklandblog.com, and of course, conofwrath.com, which is Larry's upcoming uh, documentary that you guys can check out and even donate to. So we'd like to give a couple shout-outs, of course, to the other podcasts that we like. Uh, be sure and check out SciFiDinerPodcast.com. Uh, Scott and Miles always put on a fantastic show. And another one that I was just recently on, which is Geek Fights, uh, geekfights.net. Uh, two fantastic podcasts that you can check out via iTunes or their websites. 
if you haven't been to our site, it's subspacecommunicate.com. Uh, we'd also like to talk about something we've been working on lately that's called byebyerobot.com. You can check out fully licensed Star Trek fine art. Uh, we're in the process of signing up a few more artists so we can get some more artwork out there to you guys uh, that you can check out. But uh, be sure and look at it, byebyerobot.com. So that's it for episode 19. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing it, and uh, hopefully we'll have another episode coming out shortly for you guys. Uh, but until then, live long and prosper. Yeah.